Let's turn our attention to the reading of Ecclesiastes chapter 11, the first six verses. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. God's word. You may be seated. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And, and I've been on summer rest for about six weeks now. And um, I took time to completely disconnect as much as possible from my work identity as pastor of Christ Central Church and dig deeper into some other identities like father and husband and son and just child of God, you know, just being a Christian, right? My break was good. For that, and I appreciate the leadership of this church um, encouraging that and standing in, not just for me, but again, my wife Kelly, and she talked about that. Um, she's our worship arts director, and she was able to go for six weeks with me. And uh, thank you, Pastor Omari, he ain't here right now. Josh, he, they must be working. Um, and, uh, and Pastor Derek, our executive pastor for keeping things afloat, and Amy and the praise team, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, And of course, your elders, right? The, the session of Christ Central Church, your ruling elders who kept caring and pastoring and praying um, as they do, even when I'm here, just, just constant and stable. And I praise God for that as well. Um, so the next four sermons, because I was wondering, what am I going to teach? What am I going to preach? And, you know, when you're off, you're trying not to write a sermon series. Um, and so when I got back, what do I have? I don't have much. Hadn't been thinking. Haven't been digging for y'all. Sorry. Um, but God was digging, right, in me, right? He was doing some work. And so the next four sermons I'll be doing are things I believe I saw and I learned and journaled about on my six-week time, um, things that I experienced and things I did, and I believe the Lord would have me share with you as we move from summer and vacations and time away from school and into regular schedules and as individuals and as a community, as a city, and those who know me know that if there was one thing I would do on my time off, it'd be fishing, right? And I've broadened, y'all. I've broadened from just doing freshwater fishing, which is ironic considering I grew up on a coast and I did mainly crabbing and shrimping as a boy. But now I am completely intrigued and captured, captivated rather, and caught up in saltwater fishing too. Right? So anywhere there's water, I mean, sometimes I'm even on the interstate, you know, little pools on the side of the road where the water dri rains drip in. I'm like, I wonder what's in that, 
Like, might be nothing. Maybe I catch a tire. I don't know. Um, but in, in all the fishing I did, both salt and fresh water, this is what was confirmed, confirmed, what you have today, by the scripture we read. And obviously, from the songs chosen, from the young people coming up here and preparing for college, God wants y'all to learn something in particular today. Um, as you're here, and I, I'm sitting back and I'm watching him speak to you about this very same thing we're going to cover this morning. That we are all fishing, if you will. We're all casting our hopes into an unseen and dark world. Whether it's a business venture or a new or continuing vocation, an attempt at love in a non-romantic or romantic relationship seeking to serve and help individuals or leading a movement or change in the city or world for the better or some kind of self-improvement, whether it's a commitment to exercise or do spiritual disciplines or, or looking to find fun or pleasure or rest or sport. The Bible is teaching us, it is teaching us that it is all happening in a fallen world. And we are all on the pier, if you will, on the shore, rod and bait and tackle and hand, setting ourselves up for affirmation and disappointment. Ecclesiastes, which is referred to as a wisdom book, gives us some hard realities about taking risks and chances and attempting anything in this broken world. And there are three pieces of wisdom I want us to embrace today from this passage. First, the Bible is calling us to exert effort in a fallen world, right? Secondly, it is calling us to expect diverse results in this fallen world. And finally, to exercise faith in this fallen world. The writer of Ecclesiastes invites and at the beginning here and encourages and challenges us to act in this world, to exert our efforts in this fallen world, to go fishing, if you will, to do that venture, business venture, to do your job, go have a good time, live out your life, to just do it with all you have in a world of uncertainty. Look at verse 1 with me again. It says, cast your bread upon the waters. And then in verse 2, it says, give a portion to seven and then even eight. And then in our final verse, verse 6, it says, to sow your seed and withhold not your hand. Bread and portion and seed and hand are different ways of describing your possessions, your resources, your energy, your money, your talents, your time, your dream, right? A vision, a plan, a mission. All that you may have saved up for or, or all that you have filled or have become full with or, or studied for, or all that God has allowed you to see and dream and own and acquire and be gifted or inherited or some of you stuck with, right? Or, or anything you desire or love or long for. After much preparation and research even and, and, and learning and assessing and praying and waiting to, to take all that, the Bible is saying, and move it out into the world. This is how things work. Into action, into motion, into relationships, into the grind, into the ground, right? Into the current of life to throw your proverbial line out there. I'm going to be honest. I didn't go fishing without watching hours and hours of YouTube fishing television shows. 
getting full, right? Filled up with vision and hope and all kinds of information and advice. I'm practicing tying knots at home in front of TV. And having practiced a little bit and, and even went and got a new rod and I traded one with David uh, Sparks for better shore fishing and, and even looked at all the fish I could catch. I was looking in the, online. This is what I'm going to catch, you know? Hear this. I got my hopes up. I envisioned myself with this huge catch or, or giant haul or fish. Every time I went, I thought, I'm going to come back with something so big. I was looking at my cooler. That ain't big enough. I was looking at my van. That isn't big enough. Going as far as believing, seriously. That may, when, you get, when you take time off, you start believing crazy things. That maybe I could have my own fishing show. <laughs> the fishing pastor, something, you know. The marine minister, the minister of marine, something. The possibilities were palatable. Couldn't even sleep thinking about it. And watching these regular looking guys catch fish, huge fish, I went in with all of that and put it on the line by actually doing it. With one small caveat, the Bible is saying. That, that, you know, withholding is not an option when it comes to living that you must release and reach and react and cast out with all you have. This is how you live. But again, with one small caveat, right? To do so in spaces and places and ways that you can't control, the results that you can't control. I mean, look at the description of the world and circumstances that Ecclesiastes gives us. Ecclesiastes calls us to, to exert and invest our all. It says, cast upon where? Waters. Waters? What? Waters? You can't see what's under the water. Water moves, right? There's a current. And then in verse 2 it says, to give. That means to give away, to let it go out of your hands. And then verse 6 says, so. That means to let it go in the ground and let the natural process you can't see happen. This is a call to give. And then, of course, it talks about the womb of the woman. You can't see what goes on in there. This is a call to give your all in relationships, in situations, in circumstances, in a world that you can't control. Like Ecclesiastes says here, at the whim of the tide, at the whim of the currents and movements of the waters and clouds and wind and the ground and a tree falling out there into the wild beyond your controlling where there are storms and broken trees. And with that, guess what? Broken people and human error and evil and darkness all mixed up and churning and blowing around. Ecclesiastes says in verse 1 that it could be many days before you know whether your passion or hope or desire will be met. God is so ambiguous when it comes down to how is this going to work and when this is going to work and whether this is going to work. Remember this when they talked about cast your, you, you know, upon the waters and, and then in many days return. This was in the days of sailing, right? Where everything was, was shipped far away, either with a sailboat or with horse and carriage or something like that. And, 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 and no, there were no planes, right? Nothing sent out from or for a merchant or king would come back for months. And then I'm sure if you think about the way it was back then, there wasn't any GPS, there wasn't any radio. Guess what? The ship crashed. I bet there were times they sent something out and it never came back. 
He just had some dude with some ripped clothes. It didn't go well, right? There were some tigers out there. Everybody died. Sorry. And then verse, so you're under the what? You're, you're under the control of clouds and rains and trees falling and, and wind. And verse 6 sums it up this way. You do not know which will prosper. This or that or whether both alike will prosper, right, or be good or when it will come back. The Bible is saying that in our human attempts and control, there is no Amazon guaranteed delivery in real life. You know how angry you get? Man, I love, I'm not, okay, I ain't changed. I still like Amazon Prime. I like using, I don't buy anything unless it has Amazon Prime behind it. Do y'all, y'all like that? If I hit the prime button and the object disappears, forget it. I'm not buying it, which means I probably didn't need it in the first place. But I hit it, I'm like, I'll get that. Because it's Amazon Prime and it has a date. It'll be delivered at this time. And two things will make you angry. The date passes and it ain't there. One hour, 1201. Hey, where's my stuff, right? Or you hit that button, where's my stuff, right? You want to know. And then if you get a package that ain't the right thing in it, oh, Lord. Back in that day, some things didn't come in the right package all the time. Stuff showed up rotten. Stuff showed up twisted. Hey, sorry, dog. You know, a tree fell on the other package, right? A tree back then. Okay, what we going to do? One of the horse died, so we had only had one, right? We couldn't carry it all. Be here next week. You don't know when, and I hate to say this right now, but for you young people who are up here and those who are going to college or in college right now or in master's or PhD, let me tell y'all something. You don't know when or whether your degree will work for you or not, right? What if they stop having or hiring what your degree is or it's just not a job market for it? Those things really happen. This is good news, though. This is still good news. Right? You don't know when or whether romance is going to happen in your life. You don't know when or whether, you know, some of us have been married over 20 years, and we're still wondering when marital bliss is going to hit. You know, when is it going to feel like them dating days again? It's been 20 years. We've been invested in our kids. Now, hey, when is it going to happen? When's that love life going to be hot like I thought it was going to be? Like when? You don't know. And I say this because a lot of us are giving up on stuff that we shouldn't because it didn't happen when and how we want. We are relegated, called to do life, to exert heart and effort without ultimate guarantees we can make to ourselves or between others in any of it. You know, when I put my heart to fishing and catching something, I did explore the charters, you know, like having somebody else take me out and tell me how to fish, you know, taking me to the spot that they've been fishing for 50 years, you know, they do know, but I watch my fishing shows. So I didn't go, plus I didn't want to spend the money, okay? But I looked at some of these fishing charters, and if you go online, they all show the guys with the big fish, right? They show the family with 100 fish, right? And they're all happy, Nobody sweating, right? Just, it's just great. And then they have these things sometimes on these fishing charters, money back guaranteed, right? Like, let me know. It says guaranteed to catch fish, right? But if you look small at the small letters, it says 
or we'll give you your money back. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why do they have to give you a money back guarantee? Because even they know that the money you spend to catch fish might not give you what the picture promised. What if a storm comes, right? Or, or the boat sinks on the way. You didn't catch no fish. Well, or, 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 or on the way to the fishing market. Or, or your captain dies or gets sick or, or any uncertainty. But you put your money all in, right? You go, boop, boop, I'm going to get some fish, right? And, got, and he takes you away out into the ocean. And with no guarantee, you're even going to make it to the spot. Whether a charge trip with many advisors, y'all, and all the expert advice you can get, and all the degrees you could have, and all the competencies you got, and much learning, Ecclesiastes warns us that we can and must expect diverse results. Different. Different, y'all, than you imagined or envisioned and different than you planned for. You know, I went out to fish and bought those rods and got the bait and tackle. I did and got up early the night before, tying everything, making sure things were right. I had a vision of catching something, but not just anything, right? I had a fish in mind. I had a picture in mind to send everybody, to, to, to show them what I had done, right? To show off, to feel good, to come back to Kelly and says, you don't have a frying pan big enough. <laughs> but Ecclesiastes, like Ecclesiastes says, needless to say, the results were diverse from what I expected. Or I wouldn't be here right now. If I'd caught all them fish, I'd have a fishing charter right now. Sorry, I'm resigning. I'm signed up for a fishing charter. I'm being like the disciples. Right? No. But my results this summer, y'all, range from the smallest fish you ever seen. <laughs> the kind of fish you just throw back. Like the kind of fish you're ashamed that you even caught. Like, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Two, three hours, four hours of nothing. To the first time I went by myself out to Oak Island, not what I wanted. See, I, I, I did catch some fish. I was watching those YouTube shows and went online. I could see myself, like them, catching this huge flounder or, or these giant sheep's head or a red drum or black drum and pompanos and bass. And on my first, second, and third catch, I got toadfish. Yes, it sounds exactly what it sounds like. It looks exactly what it sounds like. And if you haven't seen a toadfish, it's like, just looks like something went wrong. <laughs> it's got sharp teeth, strong jaws, and nasty looking, like a tadpole that was cursed to, to stay stuck <laughs> in between. And they live in trashy, muddy waters, and they make you have to cut your line or lose your bait for the stuff you really wanted to catch. You got to go home after catching too many of those because you run out of stuff. 
when you fish and live and try and attempt and exert in a fallen world, you will not always get what you envisioned or dreamed. Look how Ecclesiastes says it, that you might end up with more than nothing, but as verse 2 says, you might even end up with a disaster. 90s alternative rocker Alanis Morissette. I love some Alanis Morissette. Y'all remember her? Yeah. Tell her my age. In her song, Ironic, right? Oh, I love that song. I'm going to try to read it without singing it. I do kind of have the male version of Alanis Morissette voice, don't I? No. Okay. The lines of her song, Ironic, say, an old man turned 98. He won the lottery and died the next day. It's a black fly in your Chardonnay. It's a death row pardon two minutes too late. And she says, isn't it ironic? Don't you think? It's like rain on your wedding day. It's a free ride when you've already paid. It's the good advice that you just didn't take. Who would have thought it would figure? It's a traffic jam when you're already late. And no smoking sign on your cigarette break. It's like 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife. It's meeting the man of your dreams and then meeting his beautiful wife. Isn't it ironic? Ecclesiastes tells us a very similar thing. There will be in life a tree blocking your path, as verse 6 says. Not the prosperity you hoped and dreamed for all the time. Struggle and bad compared to the good you prayed and trusted and envisioned and worked hard to get. Whether it's a relationship or job or how soon you thought you would be married or how long you thought you'd be married or how many kids you thought you might have or, or how healthy you would be, you thought you'd be by now, how much you thought you would weigh or ri how rich you would be or what kind of life or how much impact or positive change you had a vision for, a good vision, right? Or where you just thought your life would be or amount to by now. The Bible is saying when you give and exert with your hopes and dreams, know that the results may not and will not completely be good or bad or what you imagined or dreamed or envisioned. It might even be more than you ever imagined a dream. Maybe it's better than you thought. But let me say this, and as I do, I'm getting a little bit into our final point, but your dream and a vision and a hope and a desire may not be wrong or bad necessarily or not from God because it didn't come out the way you dreamed or envisioned it. And what came up is not necessarily, necessarily a curse, necessarily a curse or, or come out well because you, or, or worked out well rather, because you are so good or smart or loved more by God or lucky. It's just a different result from what you long for or look for or can control and even seem like logical or right or just to you. But oftentimes it's not just different what you dreamed or envisioned or hoped or expected. The result is often different than what you could, be, could have planned or prepared for. So in each situation, we have already covered this, but there is a call and attempt to do it well, planned out, well-resourced, well-envisioned, and well-equipped, Scripture says here, uh, to the eighth degree, that's even more than seven, which is an absurd number, right? With all your bread. But when it talks about disaster with rain and clouds and trees, get this now, in a time when things are absolutely necessary for commerce and trade and sailing and traveling to happen, the wind, the, the rain, the trees, it means that they were in all their planning and equipping outdone a lot. Out 
flanked, not as ready or knowledgeable, or able to handle what was coming their way. They, couldn't, they not only couldn't see it coming, they couldn't do anything if it did happen. Their plans were sunk or stopped or destroyed or dead on arrival. And I say this for a culture and city and country that thrives on competency. You know why you have so many apps on your phone? Because you got to know. You got to control. Even when you call for Uber or something, you can see the little car driving. You got to know. Oh, they ride around a corner. They're right down the street. What are they doing turning around like this? What's wrong with them? You got your YouTube experts. Know how to fix something? I fixed my oven. I fixed my refrigerator. I didn't fix my fishing life, but I fixed a lot of things on YouTube. And weather apps and degrees and rock stars of technology. And, and we're, we thrive on not being too risky and nice. And some of us not nice and conservative and everything we do and guarded and safe about schools and real estate and investments and friendships and who you associate with and what you eat and you can't eat this and, and fat is good and not bad and vegetables and not me. Oh my gosh. super informed and reformed in our belief and prayer lives. And we read everything and we, we kind of got our lives all ruled out. But Ecclesiastes remains true, even for you competent ones in here with a million apps. You can't anticipate everything. I'm warning you right now so you don't lose your faith. And then we may not be able to stop what we anticipate. And we can't control what or how it might happen. A storm might be anticipated on your weather app, but you don't know what that may mean. Or a storm's coming, let's go inside. How do you know where you are inside won't be affected by the storm? You don't know. Or whether what you planted just won't grow in the perfect season and weather or the weather and the season conditions are all messed up because some kind of climate change that summer or a recession or a technological advance or business or zoning thing messes up your business or investments. And you didn't plan on what to do if it didn't work out. You don't have the power to change it. There are multiple broken, unbelievable situations and circumstances out there outside. But here's the point and hardship in it but also unbelievable, multiple, multiple diverse results and reactions inside of us. See, this is the hard one. You don't know whether your desire or morals or greed or jealousy, you don't know when they will fall like a tree. Do you know how far you can be pushed? Do you know what really will tee you off? Do you really know internally and emotionally and spiritually what will take you out? Some, for some of us, depression comes out of nowhere like the wind. Or physically or chemically, you just break. And some of us wake up and we're old. I've woken up one day and I'm like, dog. Ow. I'm old. When things don't happen the way you planned or imagined, the outer circumstances affect us internally in ways we can't handle spiritually and emotionally and mentally. This is what Ecclesiastes is getting to. It's not just talking about the circumstances. It's just not talking about an empty fishing bucket. It's talking about the way it affects this and how you see the Lord. You know, it's funny. We went fishing 
the first week I wasn't here at Christ Central, the first Sunday. And it was Sunday, y'all. Yeah, that fourth commandment, no, the fifth commandment, don't, I mean, honor the Sabbath, right? And so I was like, we can listen to a Tim Keller sermon in the car, me and Clark, because Clark went fishing. I said, Clark, you want to go fishing or you want to go to church? Dad, you be the spiritual leader. Clark, you want to fish or go to church, son? Dad, let's go fishing. Yes, let's go fishing. We'll listen to a sermon. We'll do some singing. Now, sometimes in our family, we've made a decision that if we're traveling on Sunday, we'll put a sermon on, we'll listen to it, we'll do a devotion, we'll sing, we'll do a little, okay, all right, little family journey, all right? So that's our Sabbath. And y'all try to tell me not to listen to the hip-hop station. Like this morning I had it on from Saturday night, and y'all were like, Dad, I'm like, I just got to get through this LL Cool J song. It's just so good. And you're like, Dad, no, please. All right, sorry. If you, you, you may not, I might be, not be the kind of pastor you're looking for. But anyway, so, <laughs> but we did listen to Christian eventually after that song was over. It was just, the beat was heating, hitting so hard, and I wanted to tell the boys they don't have real hip-hop. Anyway. So Clark and I went fishing. We drove three hours to the coast. Three hours. We gave God about 15 minutes or 30, whatever, and then we prayed, and he was sleeping and woke up during the prayer. Like, we did it. And we didn't catch a thing. And Clark looks at me and said, Dad, we should have gone to church. <laughs> That's why we didn't catch anything. Maybe God wants us to know it's his day and not ours. And I was like, you don't know what you're talking about, bro. <laughs> but, you know, when circumstances don't work your way, I've thought a million times, I'm personally cursed. I can't face my own shame. See all kind of crazy things of all I set up for myself not working, right? In my vision genius. I told so many people I was going fishing because I have a big mouth and I like to brag. And to have to say, I caught nothing. Hurts here. And for some to say, you know what hurts worse? You didn't catch anything and you went fishing there? No. That's strange. Every time we go, we catch something. And then pride on top of pride. Are you using the right bait? Do you know what you're doing? Even our little boys caught something. And don't go to the fishing tackle store near the place you're fishing. I didn't catch anything. Well, what you need to do, ah! And I hate people who come by next time. If you're not fishing, don't go by somebody unless you see the fish in the bucket. Don't be like, you caught anything? No, don't ask. You caught anything? And they're not doing anything wrong, but sometimes it builds up the disappointment of not getting what you want. And it's stuff like business and finances and job success or romance or family or kids or degrees or marriage or mission. When things don't turn out the way we plan, we come face to face with something worse, with pride and jealousy and self-hatred and excuses and comparing ourselves and pushing ourselves to deeper competency in ways we shouldn't. And we lose our footing inside. And make us not want to try anymore. And we hold back our passion. And that's why it says withholding your hand in verse 6. Or we pretend like we aren't that hurt. Or, or I don't care, I didn't catch nothing. I'm just glad to be out there in the weather. No, you're not. You're hurt because you didn't catch nothing. 
You're feeling weak. We are too afraid, not on ju of just failing and being able to control the outcome. We become afraid of that icky, demeaning fail feeling of failure inside ourselves and in front of others. And that will make us like Ecclesiastes says here in verse 4, a person who spends their lives observing the wind. You're looking at the wind? You can't even see the wind. You're observing it. Let me figure out what I'm going to do with my life, right? Oh, who does, and therefore doesn't sow and, and who regards the clouds and does not reap and withholds their hearts and lies from life and others in fear, y'all, of futility and failure. Will failure in the circumstances make you a failure as a person? Who in turn become prisoners. We become prisoners of controlling and measuring the results and the pain of things not happening when and why and how we want them. And the joy of living dies in us where there is no adventure or joy in the journey of being human. Here's what's hard. When you look at this whole passage, you know what Ecclesiastes is ultimately asking you and me and it's called to take a risk. Not just casting your bread, your dreams and your hopes and circumstances and mission in life. To put them in motion and out there, but something bigger and deeper. It's saying cast yourself into the waters. Put your personal sense of worth out there. Your dignity is on the line. Your personal sense of meaning, is, you, put your control out there. Give it to somebody else. This is giving your hearts and emotions to the potential storms and rains and disasters of life and work and relationships. Nobody just says, hey, that didn't work out, and it not be you not working out. Nobody says, I failed, and it not it just be, oh, that thing failed. No, you feel it here. I failed. And then it begins to be, this relationship failed, and God failed, and this failed. And it begins to be an emotional and spiritual bondage that begins to direct how you live life. But let's face it, once bitten, twice shy. Each time I miss out or have a bad fishing trip, I'm going to let you all know the longer time in between the next fishing trip. The rods stay in the rod holder in the garage. Hear this. This is kind of a little twist here. Or my vision and dreams become fantasies. How does this happen? I stop fishing and I just watch YouTube shows on fishing. I watch other people fish and I kind of just imagine myself in it but I don't do it. I would rather live in a fantasy of success where I can control failure than live in reality and risk failure. Some of us are living in a fantasy of relationships, a fantasy of work. We're afraid, and it makes sense. If you put yourself out in the waters, if you cast your heart out there, you know what's going to happen. It's going to break. Ecclesiastes is not, calling us, is, is not calling us to take it. It's calling us to take it one step beyond ourselves and do life as an expression of faith in God. 
recognizing that God is in control in this fallen world and that he gives comfort in this fallen world. So the verse, first verse of this passage reminds us that we don't, can't see and control results that we are passionate for. But read what, look at what verse 5 says here. It says here, um, as you do not know the way of the Spirit, the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman and with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. We could go back at every line in the passage where I talked about you not being in control and sowing your, your, your casting your, 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 your worth on the waters and, 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 and sowing the seed and, 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 and giving your portions in ways you can't control. And if we put the Lord's name in your place, we can say God cast and he knows how it's going to return. That the Lord sows and he knows what's going to come up. The Lord alone can watch the wind and know what it means. In fact, when the disciples were with Jesus and not knowing he was God in the flesh and they were out fishing and on the boat, when he calmed the storm, they said after believing they were going to die, who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him? God is in control, y'all. In a fallen world and of this fallen world, and they may feel good or bad news about God for us on first hearing because it means that he, his designed and judged economy for sin and the world is in full effect since Adam and Eve failed by his judgment for sin. The earth is cursed. Things are hard. The Bible tells us when, they fell, when we fell into sin that we'll work hard and thorns will come out of the ground. Not great crops of watermelon and peaches, right? Thorns too. Since Adam and Eve fell by his judgment for sin, he allows it to have effect. It was his decision to enforce the penalties and broken and fallen results of our sin on and in this world and on and in us and on our exertion and expectations and real hard hoping and dreaming does not change that ultimately. Things are broken and messed up and hard down here. I don't care how strong and powerful your dream or vision is. But the Bible is telling us that God alone is above the tide. He alone is above the fray of control and oppression of that sin and struggle and darkness. He alone is not blinded by ambition and unwise passion and unwise planning and poor out of control desires or short-sightedness or greed or just being silly or stupid. He is the Lord. He is your Lord. He is the God who alone is ultimately in control and not controlled by any other circumstances outside of himself, which is good news when it comes to your life because it takes someone above the clouds, below the water, the one who not only knows the tides and the seasons, but the one who created all of that and is in control of them, knows and has effort and his mind on you and me. Unlike the fishing guide with the money back guarantee where there's still a chance that you, what you have paid for or they promise will not happen the way they want you, you want to, God, the God of the Bible alone can make guarantees of his care. And here's how he conveyed and promised and gives hope for fishing in a fallen world. Cast your bread, y'all. Live this life and faith upon the fact, believing there is a personal God out there. Hear me. 
not some fatalistic, faceless, deterministic force or karma. Because I know I do it too. When things don't work out, I wonder what I did wrong. Huh? Why do we think, what did I do wrong instead of who is right for me out there? Because if it was really up to whether you did something wrong, nothing would work out. You are so wrong, the Bible says. We are all so wrong that our bad, ain't no yin and no yang, right? It's the bad part that takes over. The karma is against you if you believe in karma. Believing that stuff, that karma and that yin and that yang and determinism will leave you cast out, y'all. Floating in the waters in an unknown way God has not designed for us to have. We may not know, but in faith are called and given a gift by God to know that there is someone who knows, who knows us, who sees us, who also knows all we can know and all we can never know. There is no one or nature out there or in my life or attempts or success or failures. There is someone and that someone is the Lord. So we act. And move, not because I know and how well I know, but because God knows. And the God that knows is bringing everything to pass and come back for our good, even things that seem like disasters and failures. But how can we trust him? And in doing so, trust again and give again and go again, struggle again. I love that image of the child in the womb here. We are in our lives like that child in the womb. Do you know that? And what we are to be and become and how and through and what we are to become is not known. Like the bread on the waters and seeds in the ground, the attempts and passion and failure are being carried along like a child in the womb of the mother who is loving that child and nourished like a seed in the ground that is fertilized with all kinds of life's manure, if you will. And God is orchestrating all things for a result, for our good and his glory, even if it feels bad or looks bad at the moment where we can't comprehend what and why this is happening or isn't happening. And so that may mean sometimes results and returns are designed to show us our idols. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Maybe God wants to show you something good that something not good is happening in you. How are we hoping and trusting in things? Maybe it's because we're trusting and hoping in things that are empty or emptying us. Maybe it comes back a disaster because the Lord in control wants to show us or train us or shape us into more complete and loving people. Maybe God wants us to do something or it was for the good of the first attempt because, or, or he wants us to do something good for someone else beside yourself. Maybe what went bad for you, here's a hard one. I hate this sometimes. Maybe what was bad for you was good for somebody else. Oh, I didn't get what I wanted. They did. Praise God. They were praying too. So expressing faith against everything the world tells you all, it is such a backwards, upside down message. It's not about worldly success. Is it not about checking off boxes? It is not about telling, knowing exactly, man, I had the perfect life. I went to college. I, had, I know what degree I was going to get. I know what it was going to look like when I got my first job. I knew what it looked like when I was going to retire. I knew who I was going to marry. I knew my marriage was going to be this way. I knew I was going to have these kids. That's not what it's about. 
never has been getting what you want and prayed for when you do it, how you do, but about trusting the Lord with your prayers and with your passions and trusting that what comes back when and how it does is not God forsaking you, but knowing and acting for your good. It's easy to say that, but the Bible doesn't end there. How can you be sure? What proof has God given you that he's doing for your good? Don't you know that God the Father, the story of the Bible, y'all, where all, all was headed, even Ecclesiastes, God the Father cast out his best in his son, Jesus Christ. And his best was willingly cast out into darkness, into the sovereign will and way of his Father. And the Bible tells us, and this is a real interesting point in his humanity, God sent them out into darkness in ways that shocked and confounded even Jesus in his humanity. That made Jesus cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in the garden cry out and, and sweat with sweat like blood. Man, uh, he was feeling the curves and waves of not being in control, but giving God control in a way that would spell his disaster and death. That would mean him going to the cross, casting his hopes, and then being cast out by God away, dying in our sin and suffering. Do you know what that means? You and I, our redeemed lives, are God's return. Jesus was cast out from God. And it says in many days that will return. Don't you know the return God got on casting Jesus out was you? In your life, you and I, our redeemed lives are God's return. God's realized vision. God's uh, description and definition of prosperity. We were the prized catch God in all his power and control and longed for. So God cast out Jesus so that you and I could come back safe and beautiful after the storm of sin and suffering and failure and faulty tents and broken dreams to him. And now we are safe in Jesus in our rebirth like a baby in a womb of a mother in his hands to, to cast out into the world and even suffer and be disappointed but without shame, y'all, without ultimate loss because he knows and promises that we will. Our lives that have been cast out in Christ upon the waters and into the ground of this fallen world will return to him. Knowing different, right? Those knowing his love, knowing and learning his grace, knowing and believing that we are that important to God, so important that he cast his son out to receive us. If you are in Christ, your life is not a failure, regardless of the result, because God did not fail when he sent Jesus to die for you. And you coming back to him is the greatest success and prosperity the world and the Father could ever know. Because of Jesus and him alone, we are free 
to go fishing in a fallen world because we have a God who catches us in Christ and will not lose us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Each attempt, each vision, each dream, each failure, each success, each not success, each unknown thing, in Christ, for those who know you, is us returning to you better, sanctified, loved, filled with grace even when it hurts. Lord, I pray for your people here. I pray for, pray for people, period, here who don't know you, who are racked with guilt and shame and so afraid of failure. Those whose marriages have failed. Those who feel like they raised their kids and it didn't go right. Those who thought I would, they would have a bigger bank account by now and not be struggling the way they are. I pray that they would know and see in Christ how God cast his very best on the water in our sin, in our broken world and succeeded in bringing us to himself. Help us rewrite our stories today. Those who don't know Christ, I pray that they would be able to rewrite and have their stories rewritten by you, God. That they're able to feel free to fish in a fallen world. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.